0: Once again, uh, we are in our last week of our series, Affected. This is week seven. I just want to give you kind of a quick update on what's going to happen over the next couple weeks. I know that typically we follow a series uh, directly with um, a worship, All Worship Sunday, but the weather, the way it's been, has kind of thrown us off, and we have some people scheduled to come speak uh, for, uh, from our missions partners. And so next week, we're going to have Jeff Hicks, who happens to be Caitlin's dad from Missouri Baptist Children's Home. Uh, And then from the following weeks from there, we'll have representatives uh, either recorded or in person from the Republic Pregnancy Resource Center, um, the Community Kitchen, and Nightlight. And so for the next four weeks after this week, we're going to visit with our mission partners and just kind of look at how we can continue to help them and the difference that we've already made. And uh, I look forward to that, and I think it'll be really beneficial for us. So most of those days, I'll have kind of a quick, shorter sermon. I know you'll all be happy about that. And then we'll have... Um, An interview to follow. No amens there. I do appreciate that. Everybody kind of bit their lip. I saw multiple people, uh, so I am thankful for that. Uh, But again, we are going to finish our series. We are in week seven of Affected. I have titled today's sermon last but not least. We're going to be in Colossians chapter four. Um, And here's the thing. The key to being affected by something is giving it time in your life, right? This whole series has been about how can we be affected by Jesus by the life that he lived, and by the example that he was for us? How can we be affected by him to change the way that we live our lives? And so we are looking at that. Now, the key to that is to give anything. Anything you want to be affected by has to take time in your life, right? We can buy a gym membership, but if we never step foot in the gym, it's not going to make any difference for us. Trust me, if it did, I'd buy like 30 of them, right? And just be skinny all at once. But that's not how it works. You can buy a gym membership, but if you never step foot in the gym, if you never put in the work, if you never devote time to it, it's not going to make a change for you. And Jesus, our relationship with Jesus is a lot like that. Christ can't affect us if we aren't devoting time in our lives to him. Throughout Colossians, Paul is explaining exactly who Christ is and and, and instructing believers on how they need to live their lives according to who Christ is. I, I did it again. Look, I'm married, all right? did my hair I take it off sorry it makes I got to be able to do this when I preach you ever notice if I don't have it then my ADD it's a real thing everybody pray okay (laughs) throughout Colossians Paul instructs believers about who the real Christ is I already said that his last instructions that he gives us in chapter four are given to guarantee that believers experience Jesus that's his whole goal So the last instructions that we look at here in Colossians 4 are to ensure that we are affected by Jesus and that we experience Jesus. And so we're going to start in verse 2, and this is what it says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You see, the sign of a mature Christian, of a strong Christian, is a strong prayer life. It's a sign, not the sign, but it's a sign, and it's important. Paul knew the power of prayer. He knew that the impact that it could have on people's life, He knew that it could change the world as we know it. And so prayer is of ultimate importance. And so he called for believers to be persistent and continual in prayer. This isn't the only place he did it. Paul wrote lots of letters, and in lots of his letters, he mentions instructions similar to these. In Romans 12.12, he says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he's real short and sweet and to the point, and it's beautiful. Pray continually. Pray continually. You often heard it with as pray without ceasing. But pray continually. So obviously, it was important to Paul. And there's a reason for that. And what we have to understand, what we have to internalize, is that prayer is not a spiritual luxury. It is essential to spiritual growth. Prayer is not a spiritual luxury. It's essential to spiritual growth. You see, lots of Christians view prayer as a supplement to their faith. Prayer is something that we can do. It's something we can add to our relationship with Christ, but it's okay if we're not, you know, really devoted to it and doing it all the time. We look at reading our Bibles that way too. It's something that can supplement our faith, our relationship with Jesus. It's important, but not necessarily necessary to be a Christian, which I would say is false, but that's how we kind of look at it. As long as we have a strong relationship with Jesus, we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, then we'll be okay. I'm here to tell you today that without prayer, you cannot have a strong relationship with Jesus. You cannot have a strong connection to Jesus. We look so often at prayer as a supplement when in fact it's a foundational pillar to our faith. And if we remove that from our lives, our faith crumbles. Show me somebody who has a strong prayer life and I will show you somebody who perseveres through tragedy and heartache and trial. Show me somebody who doesn't have that connection to Christ. And when the wind blows, they will topple over. I firmly believe that with all of my heart. As one theologian put it, prayer is as vital to our faith as breathing is to our health. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. But I don't know if you know this, breathing is pretty important to our lives. It's pretty essential to your health, in fact. See, if you don't breathe, the way I understand it, everything else stops working. And that's a bad deal. We need to see prayer with such importance when it comes to our faith. We need to see prayer with such importance when it comes to our faith. You see, prayer is not casual, it's not optional. Prayer is not just for when things go wrong. We all pray really well when we're in the midst of a tragedy or in a stressful situation or something bad is happening. We can hit our knees then. We pray then. But it's like the minute we kind of come out of that on the other side and God gets us through those things, our prayer life starts to fall to the wayside. And that's not okay. See, what prayer does is that it invites God's Spirit to move in our life. It invites God's power into our life. Babies are so cute. (laughs) Prayer invites the spirit to move freely. It invites the spirit to lead and to guide and to direct our steps. Prayer takes life out of your hands and puts it in God's hands. That may be the greatest benefit. At least I know it is to me. There are so many situations where I will be frank. I cannot handle on my own. I've finally gotten to the place where I know that. And I turn those things over to God in prayer. Because the flip side of that coin, when I don't do that, is I start to internalize everything. I start to try to attack everything on my own. Things start to crumble, and as they fall and as they fail, I just fall into deeper, darker depression and anxiety. That's very real. That's what happens to me. If I'm not willingly relying on Jesus, prayer has to be that connection to Christ. Prayer is the vessel through which change occurs in our world. And most importantly, I feel like I said a lot of important things there, but most importantly, prayer connects us to the Father. It connects us to the Father. It's our text thread. Like plugging into an electrical outlet, prayer gives life and energy to what otherwise would be an inanimate object. I've got a lot of t-shirt worthy sayings. So James, I expect you to have like four or five next week. You're my guy. Slow dance with Jesus. Prayer. Prayer, like plugging into an electrical outlet, takes what otherwise would be an inanimate object and brings it to life. If you feel right now in your relationship with Jesus that you're just struggle busing everywhere, you feel disconnected, you feel like you're constantly failing, you know that something is missing, but you just can't quite hammer down what it is, Start with prayer. I know the baby's cute. Everybody look back at me. I'm cute too. That's not true. Prayer is so, so, so very important. You see, in life, we claim that we want energy. We want God's power. We want to see God move. We want God to to use us as a vessel to do things through us, to do great things, to build the kingdom. But yet we struggle to have a connection to him. And if we aren't praying, it really all becomes lip service. You see, if we want to be doers, then we have to be seekers in order to be finders. Another t-shirt. We're going to come up with a cross point line right now. If we want to be doers of the word, if we want to be people who, who live life on behalf of Christ, which I think as Christians should be our goal, We have to seek Him. We have to seek Christ in all that we do. We have to seek the Father. We have to seek the Spirit in order for there to be movement. It doesn't just happen by chance. People don't get where they get to in their walk with Jesus because they got lucky. They didn't stumble into it. They didn't just trip one day and all of a sudden have the best relationship with Christ ever. No, they are devoting time to it, to prayer, to study, to worship, to giving thanks. Great relationships don't just happen by chance. If we want to find Jesus, if we want to find this life that we say we want to find, then we have to be able to seek Him out. I have a vision for CrossPoint. And I wish that I could pinpoint that exact vision, but this is at its core what I, what I know about that vision for Crosspoint. I have a vision for Crosspoint that we make a difference in the world for Jesus. That we choose second in order to make him first. And that by doing so, we spread the kingdom to those who don't know him. I think that's what the goal of every church should be but if we are not devoted to prayer individually and collectively it will never come to fruition we will never be all that we could be for christ all that i think christ wants us to be as a church if we do not devote ourselves to prayer if we are not willing to cast aside all of our fears And just be completely open with one another and with Jesus. We have to be able to have that relationship. Here's the thing. The problem with spiritual devotion is it's exhausting. I don't know if you ever had a pastor tell you that. But I'm here to tell you that. The problem with spiritual devotion is it's exhausting. It's time consuming. It will wear you out. It does take a lot of work. So Paul calls us to be watchful and thankful to combat it. And we've already talked about what gratitude can do for us. So we're going to be focused on being watchful. Okay, Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. 1 Corinthians 16 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 1 Thessalonians 5.6 So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. You see, one of the side effects of continuously seeking Jesus is continuously being attacked by Satan. You need to understand that and you need to know that and it will wear you out. But if you feel like Satan's never attacking me, everything's always going good, I'm going to tell you, you probably need to have some concern. Because something in life isn't jiving. Because if you are seeking Jesus, if you are devoting the time to Christ that you should be devoting to Christ, Satan will attack you. Satan does not want you to do that. Satan does not worry about those who are not living for Christ. They're already right where he wants them. So you are going to experience spiritual warfare. One of the side effects of being attacked by Satan and of faith in general is weariness is weariness. I'm just so tired. Anybody ever feel like that with your faith? I'm just so tired. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of having to seek forgiveness because I'm always stumbling. You're not alone. We all go through it. One of the biggest disservices that the church has done is made people believe that they shouldn't be experiencing spiritual warfare. It's to make people believe that it's not okay to not be okay. Okay? Sometimes you're not okay. And that's right where you should be. Because Satan is attacking you. If you get anything out of today, I want you to understand that. I want you to just be able to wrap your heads around the fact that it is okay for you to not always be okay. It doesn't make you less than, it doesn't make you a weaker Christian. It doesn't make you less loved by Jesus. It just means that you are fighting the good fight. When we try to live for Christ, Satan tries to make us regret it. It's as simple as that. Ephesians 6.16 says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Paul's instruction to combat weariness is to be watchful, be mindful, be self-aware. So when the weariness comes, you can fight back against it. I know that that seems like more work. But I really don't think it is. It's being able to, to realize that I have emptied my cup and now I need to fill that cup back up with rest, with relaxation, with a sabbatical, with time where I am just with Jesus. Not stressing about any specific thing, spending time in worship, spending time in prayer, asking God to fight on your behalf. We we need, we have to be able to recognize that it's completely normal for us to grow weary. But it also is not okay for us to just stay there. We have to try to combat it. You can't empty your cup if you never fill it back up. So we need to normalize weariness. You don't need to feel guilty for it, but you do need to fight it. You do need to fight it. And that's why things like the gathering are so important. Because you don't have to fight alone. That's why things like prayer are so important. Because you don't have to fight alone. There is a community that's here that wants to fight with you, that wants to pray for you, that wants to support you, that wants to try to help you and lift you up in times where you don't feel like you can carry on. That's what's beautiful about the church. We're not always perfect. We sometimes make mistakes. We're filled with imperfect people. But we're filled with imperfect people who recognize that other people are imperfect and that we all need support and help at times. Moving on to Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. See, those who have dedicated their lives to ministry are the most susceptible to weariness because they have an immense responsibility. They have an immense responsibility. For one, we never leave church. We may exit a building on Sunday, but we never leave church. We just don't. I'm going to be real frank with you. It's always on our mind. We're always looking for ways that we can minister to others, ways that we can improve our message, ways that we can reach new people, ways that we can make worship more impactful, ways that we can make leadership and and the message enter the hearts of men and women so that it changes them and that they take that with them and change the world around them. Some of us had the heaviest responsibility of all to minister to children, to the ones who are most near and dear to God's heart. And the weight of knowing that you hold their little souls in your hands. Yes, not Chelsea alone. If we as parents aren't helping, then by goodness, what are we doing? But can you imagine that responsibility? And would you want it? Frankly, the answer is probably no. And then you've got Clay, who's dealing with little hooligans who we love dearly, but are just running around, banging their heads into things, and experiencing hormones, and always being hungry, just eating all the food. It's, a, it's okay. And they're experiencing a world that all of us parents think that we've gone through before, but changes and adapts so quickly that we wouldn't even have a clue how to navigate or what to do if we were placed inside of it. And we grow weary because we have this responsibility on our lives. This isn't a boohoo moment, okay? We, I don't think that there's any one of us who would say, We don't enjoy the time that we devote to ministry. I was called to ministry. I am blessed to be able to say that. I know that. It took me a long time to get there. I'll be frank early on, I was burdened by the call to ministry. I was burdened by it. But now I feel the blessing of it. But it doesn't mean that I don't grow weary. If there's anybody that Satan wants to see fall, it's the leaders of our church. If there's anybody that Satan wants to see stumble, it's the leaders of the church. So the rest of the world can point at us and laugh at us and make fun of us and call us hypocrites and tell us how evil we are. When we are doing our best to do our best just like everybody else, and yet we're still sinners, and yet we still stumble, and yet we still fall. And so here is this request by Paul to the believers of the church. To pray for us. To pray for us. Pray that our message is clear and concise and received well. And so my challenge to you as a church is very similar. Pray for your leadership. Pray for your leadership. You should never go a week. And I know this sounds really self-serving. But you should never go a week without mentioning Phil by name in prayer. Or Chelsea by name in prayer. Or clay in name by prayer, or myself. This isn't a selfish want. This is a very real need. And I hope you can see the importance of that. Truly, it's a necessity. We need your prayer, but it's more than just for us. Again, it's that our message is received. It's that the gospel of Christ is heard through us and that we are clear and concise in our delivery because as Paul puts it, we have an obligation, an obligation to make the gospel accessible to all who might hear it. We have an obligation for that. And then Paul continues in Colossians 4, 5, and 6. He says, be wise. This is something we all need to really cling to. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let the conversation be always full, always. That means all the time, like all every time, all the time, every time. Let your conversation, all the time, every time, be full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. You see, our private life with Christ is as important as our public life with Christ. Our actions require the wisdom of Christ. This is where your what would Jesus do bracelets come in. They answer this question. If we look at Colossians 1.9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. In James 3.13, it says, uh, 3.13 and then verse 17, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But wisdom, this is verse 17, that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. You see, this is the normal, everyday Joe's responsibility. For those of you that say, I'll never preach, I haven't been called to ministry, this is your responsibility to Christ, this is your responsibility to the gospel. This is as close as you will find in Scripture to you don't necessarily have to share your faith, just live in such a way that people see Jesus. I'm not discounting that thought process. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm not saying that that's not true. I think it's really important actually because the fact of the matter is we have to have two witnesses in order to have one. We must profess Christ with our mouths and prove Christ with our lives. You've got to have both. You need to live in such a way that people see Jesus, but they also need to be hearing about Jesus from you. So that when you witness, your life backs it up. There's a reason that the outside world, for the most part, looks at the church as a bunch of jerk faces. They look at us as Smug and stuck up. And that's because in our history, that's the way that the church has treated outsiders as a whole. They look at us as if we are the, these just rude morons. And we look at them as if, well, they really haven't got life altogether. The thing is that you are always being watched, you are always being assessed, your life is always being witnessed. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is what are people witnessing? Are they witnessing Christ or are they witnessing the sinner that you are? We are not always perfect. I know that. I know that. And you won't win every soul, but you can be gracious to every person. You will not win every soul, but you can be gracious to every person. I'm going to leave you with this, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to answer everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do so with gentleness and respect. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message. I pray that it resonate with all of us. That all of us seek to, to be doers who seek you in order to find you. In order that the world might also find you through us. At the end of the day, God, it is so important that we live lives that match up with our words. It's important that we are consistent that we are gracious, that we are kind, that we put others' feelings before our own. That we put grace before being right, that we put grace before being justified. Help us to seek to serve others before we serve ourselves. God above all else help us see the need and the importance of a strong prayer life of a connection to you that we just can't have any other way we need to be strong we need to be courageous we need to know what we don't know And we need to know what it is that we can't do on our own. God, may we rely on you for all the rest. May we always strive to strengthen our relationship with you. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to stand right here, right up front again, just like I did the last time that we met. If you have a prayer request, I want you to come pray with me. I think that there is power in prayer. I think that God will work in your life if you ask him to. He may not give you the answer that you're necessarily wanting. But I do think that in the end, God gives us the answers that we need. Understand that our stage is a stage, but more than that, it is an altar. You don't have to come pray with me. But step out in faith, have courage to Encourage others and pray at the altar to lay it all at the feet of Jesus. For the last seven weeks, Sabbath Snow Day, we have talked about who Jesus is and how he should affect the way that we live our lives. But in order for that to mean anything to you, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. That's a buzz term that we've used in church for so many years, personal Lord and Savior. What I need people to understand, what I wish that everyone knew is that he really is a personal Lord and Savior. We grow numb to that phrase and that terminology because we've always heard it. But Christ is here personally for you. He died personally just for you. And if you don't know him, if you're not confident that you're a Christian, if you want to know what it means to have a relationship with Christ, then you need to come talk to me today. If you're online and you're watching this and somehow that resonates with you, message me on Facebook. Because there's one thing that I am 100% sure of. Maybe the only thing in my life that I'm 100% sure of. And it's that Jesus loves you more than anything else. Stand with us right now and let's worship God. And if you need to pray, come pray.